glad I recorded that for people to have. And put and put that on there. Everyone was gonna know that you're on my ass all day. No, that you're meanie. What's oh, being mean? I'm just telling you. Hello and welcome to up to and including death. I am Doctor Patricia Gross for one last recording. I'm John Brewer for maybe one last recording. <laughs> oh, well, darlings, guess what? I am going to be not Doctor Patricia Gross. I'll be Doctor Patricia Gross Brewer when this particular podcast goes into your ear holes yeah are you excited john yes very you know i feel like you could be more excited you can feel a lot of things (laughs) it's up to you i really hope that people don't think that this is like me bullying you (laughs) they should see that because you're bullying me i'm not bullying you just marry me and be with me forever and eschew all others (laughs) Okay. Okay? Yeah. Are you going to make me do any kind of like crazy games when we get married? Is there like a, a little fun... Ooh, I should. Yeah? Like, yeah. Like, like game of cards? Oh, ooh, interesting. So that's a preview. A little bit of one. A little bit of a preview. So there's something I want to talk about. Okay. I'm so excited about the Supernatural podcast we're going to film. <laughs> we're not filming it. Okay. We're recording it. I'm so excited about the Supernatural podcast we're going to record. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm super excited, and I have lots of reasons why. Okay. One of the reasons is that, of course, I like Supernatural. Second reason, I am published on it. I feel like I'm prepared for this. Third reason, I am going to be so flipping researched. And fourth reason is you're going to tell me all the things about music, about Supernatural, but you're also going to get to learn about those good, good boys, Sam and Dean Winchester. Oh, sounds wonderful. I'm so excited! We're going to be breaking down some of the most important things about the show. The cars, the jackets, the hairstyles of the, Sam as they change. The cars? He changes cars in the show? I guess you'll have to find oh. out. You'll have to find out? Okay. There was a really dark period in season seven that you we're going to get through as a podcast together. Um, I think season seven is definitely the worst season of Supernatural, but we're going to get through it. But it has one of the most poignant and most beautiful episodes ever of Supernatural. Uh, spoilers. Spoilers. The dog is snoring. Yeah. Loudly. Yeah. The kitty cat's Loki is on the bed sleeping, but he's on the corner of the bed. He's far away from us. Maybe he'll come join us and purr for the people. Probably will. Yeah. Lola is also in the room. Being very cute. Oh, my gosh. Do you see her with her little paws? Yeah. We don't deserve cats. <laughs> we really don't. Aren't they perfect, cats, everybody? Uh, perfect, sister. Go donate to your local ASPCA or whatever it's called where you live. Just no, no kill shelters. No kill shelters. I mean, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair, I think that, like, the problem is that they have to take in everyone and they just don't have space. Like, there's just so many animals that come in. Besides certain animal rights organizations that claim to care about animals but actually have the highest kill rate in the country, I think that, like, it must be really hard on the shelter employees to have to kill animals, perfectly good animals that come in, but they get so many, you know? I'll just take all the cats. Yeah. There's a cat named Tom. At the shelter right now, that kind of looks like a small version of Loki, and his little butt is shaved. 
and he looks so cute. And I saw, I, I watched this video of Tom at the shelter, and then John came home, and <laughs> you're like, I didn't send it to you, but I saw this really cute cat at the shelter, and I'm like, was his name Tom? And you were, it was true, it was him. He has like two names, Tom something or other. I don't know. It was just a cute cat. He was a cute cat. I wanted him. Yeah, me too. I want all the cats. We have five. Yeah, that's almost too many. Almost. Almost. That's probably the limit. We do have a very, like, important detente between the upstairs cat and the downstairs cats. Yeah. And one that needs to be maintained that a new cat might affect. Yeah. Hmm. They all have their own little... Little uh, personalities that would do cats would affect them all, Are all you... differently, but very, very much so. I'm so excited about our wedding. Yeah, I'm really excited to be married and go on a honeymoon with you, yeah. and watch horror movies forever and ever. Amen. Sounds right, I guess. Yeah, we agreed upon this very early on. <laughs> Kids and horror movies were like the two, like n- deal breakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We knew what we liked. You like yep. you like horror movies? Excellent. Yep. Break. Okay. I'll marry you in a year and a half. <laughs> when you came over to my house and you first met the cats and I saw you pet Loki, I was like, this guy knows how to pet a cat. There's a special way and John knows the way to pet cats. Well, I've had cats for as long as I can remember. So. They're the best. Let's talk about the theme of today's movie. As in... The wedding theme? The wedding theme. Yeah, I think we've talked about that. I know we talked about that, but what do you think about like an, the event of a wedding as a space for a horror movie? Well, it is kind of scary. Ooh. It's inherently scary, right? Well, you have your Everybody's friends and family. Edge. Everybody's already on edge. Well, there's a lot to go right. the bride wants everything to go perfect. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Is that just me that wants everything to go well? Yeah, I don't care if it goes perfect. I don't care if it goes perfect. At this stage, I would like to just have access to the venue to make sure it's clean and that we could get in on the wedding day. I don't think that's perfect. I think that's just wanting it to run. Yeah, I'm not really worried about any of it. I just think it'll be fine. I know you think it'll be fine, but I think a lot of grooms think that because they do F all to prepare for the wedding. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, God, why is she so wound up? And it's because they didn't do stuff. I did stuff. I know. That's. I'm not saying you. I'm oh. saying grooms in general. Hashtag all men. Yep. Yeah. But anyway. That's not sexist at all. I'm not sexist. I'm sexy. Well, you just said hashtag all men. Are the worst. But I'm going to marry you. Even though I'm the worst? That shows that I'm not sexist. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I have like my one male friend. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds even worse that's like a white guy saying my one black friend i know isn't that like i'm not racist because of this i i i can't be homophobic because i have a gay colleague or you know it's like it's always like that i know one of the good ones and that makes it okay but you're definitely one of the good ones i might be somebody's one cool white guy yeah i don't know probably not I mean, statistically. Statistically not. Uh, so just so you know, dear listener, we live in a very rural area that's mostly populated by blonde hair and blue-eyed fins. Yeah. 
So that's why we, we make this comment. So today I ran into one of my former students. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. They did not buy insurance from me. <laughs> I don't think I've explained that I sell insurance on the podcast either. What is yeah. this lady? Dr. Gross is a professor, but also sells insurance. Sounds like a superhero thing. I know. Like your alter ego is... Which one is the alter ego? The insurance salesperson or the yeah, professor? definitely the insurance salesperson. That's not a very good uh, superhero job. You know what he wore today? Mm. I was so cool. I wore a t-shirt with a pocket and a, and then a pencil skirt and a blazer. Oh, and I feel like I finally made it back towards my real self as a professor. I mean, I was selling insurance, but I felt very professorial because that was always my favorite look of a t-shirt with a blazer and a fancy skirt. There's a professor superhero, right? Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> Isn't he a professor? <laughs> no, he's a he's psychologist. A psychologist. Oh, crap. <laughs> I think it's... We have Professor X, who's really a high school teacher... We have Dr. Octopus. I'm pretty sure. Doc he, Oc, yeah. He is an engineer, but I'm pretty sure like in a lab for just, at a university. So all the, there's no superhero professors. They're all super villains. Professor Xavier is a superhero. Uh, well, he runs a school for mutants, though. I mean. That's all different. The incredible, Steve, Dr. Bannon was a, probably a professor. I don't think so. He hated people. Yeah, but he was a scientist. To be yeah, a, scientist, a scientist, you usually do it in the context. But he didn't like people. Let's do a brewer's brews. Oh. I we were brewing up a very specific brew by a Johnson, a Johnson's brew. Oh, Your yeah. brother. Yeah. Yeah, those were delicious. He I made have... a very... What was the... Does he have a name for his brewing? No. His homebrew? No, he's just starting out again. And a very cute dog named Nitschke on the cover of the beer bottles. He's very cute. Yes, and those were delicious. They're very tasty. I like the 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 white beer, wood beer, Hefeweizen. There was a wood beer. Wood beer. It was very tasty. But uh, I drank all those a long time ago. Yeah. And now I'm on to uh, Sam Adams Porch Rocker. Ooh, that's a really good one. It is a very good one. What do you think is the best about it? Oh, it's just a good, refreshing summer beer. Mm. I'm drinking Truly Mango Hard Seltzer. Yeah, that's great. I think it's sort of reminiscent of mango, but what it really wants me to do is have a mango. But mangoes don't have alcohol in them. <laughs> well, I think that's our brewer's brews. We got interrupted, but I think that's a pretty good one. Yes. I'm so excited to watch this movie. Do you want to tell the people about this film, this beautiful film, Ready or Not? Yeah. It was uh, from 2019. Directed by Matt Bettinelli Olpin. Bet you wish you tried that Ooh, in advance. I'll try that again. Matt Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gallette. Ooh. And written by Guy Busick and R. Christopher Murphy. These guys, these writers, this idea is so perfect and I love it. Yes. And it stars Samara Weaving, Adam Brody, and Annie McDowell. Everybody loves Andy McDowell. Yeah. Like, she just disappeared for 20 years and came back, and everybody's like, oh, Andy McDowell. Where did she go? But we're happy she's back. We're very happy she's back. She plays God in Good Omens, the new series that came out. That's really good. Oh, I did yeah. not know that. You don't see her, of course, but I think she's the, uh, the worst. I, I knew her best from... Michael? No. Groundhog's from... Day? 
Groundhog's Day and Bad Girls. I don't think I've seen that. That was with her and Drew Barrymore as like Western outlaws. Drew Barrymore and her, but isn't she way older than Drew Barrymore? Not in the uh, sense that she's like super old, but in the sense that wasn't Drew Barrymore a kid when Andy McDowell was a big actress? No, Drew Barrymore was a kid in E.T. in nineteen eighty-five. Ah, uh, but in nineteen nineties, they did Bad Girls together. When Drew Barrymore was like seventeen. No, it must have been later than that. Let me look it up really quick. Uh-oh. I'll go down the Andy McDowell rabbit hole. Oh, man, that just went to Bad Girlfriend. Now I'm curious of what you've been Googling. Oh, I don't know. Probably the song by um, Theory of a Dead Man. 1994 was Bad Girls. Okay. And it starred Andy McDowell. And? Madeline Stowe. Mary Stuart Masterson. I don't see Drew Barrymore. And Drew Barrymore. Oh, my! she's like the fourth billing? Yes. Which is odd because she's one of the three bad girls. Oh, I guess there was four bad girls. But then why three. is she the last bad girl? It doesn't make any... Was she just not the most important one? That seems very odd. No, because I don't think so. Does this take place in Western times? Yes. Okay. I can't believe you didn't know this film. No. It was a a good movie. Well, maybe another day we can watch Bad Girl, because right now... Maybe I shouldn't have liked it, because the first review says, if you're a female and a horse lover, then you will like this movie. (laughs) I am neither a female nor a horse lover. You hate horses? Do you hear that? I don't hate horses, but I'm certainly not Mr. Hammonds or anything. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the movie that we're watching today on this podcast. We are watching... Oh, that image is so fantastic. We are watching Ready or Not. I love this movie. That's a beautiful dress. I would never wear a high lace dress like she is because it just seems like it'd be so hot, but she wears the heck out of this wedding dress. Sure, I'll take your word for it. You want to tell us some trivia? I don't look at other ladies. Good. Hey, Stephen the Butler yeah. drove a Lincoln Town Car. Oh, it's an old man car like you used to have. Yeah. We sold John's old man car to an actual old man who was so, so happy to get this yeah. car. That made it all better. Yeah. But Mean old fiance makes you get rid of your stuff. But it has a 6.8 on IMDb. Nice. Which seems a bit low. For how good it is, but I mean, 6.8 on IMDb for a horror movie. Remember, it's only 8.6 for Psycho. I mean, it's no Psycho, but it's really good. But I bet you Rotten Tomatoes is going to tell a different story. Yeah, let's see it. 26! No. Oh, wait, that's the woman in... Okay, it was, never mind. 88% on the tomato meter for okay. critics. And 78 for audience. Okay, so I don't trust up. the audience on this at all. It lines up fairly close. I don't know. I think the audience is a bunch of buttheads then because they must be a bunch of misogynists that don't like a female main character because she's awesome and the, mis- uh, the audience can eat my butt. That's where you go as misogyny? Yeah, because it's a female protagonist. Oh, let's look- read some of the bad tomatoes then. Read some of the bad tomatoes. Yeah. Okay. Even by its own humble standards, the plot is poorly worked out. A few lame attempts at social commentary, criticizing the rich and feeble in the extreme, and the dialogue is wretched. What? See, that doesn't sound anything. That was, like, by an old Australian man okay, let's who was talk. probably rich and complaining. There are only so many clever gags the filmmakers can include before it becomes obvious they're trying to cover up holes of their own making. I literally don't know of a single plot hole in this whole movie. Let's... I'm sure there's some plot let's holes. See a t- let's see number one. 
Like a good review. Okay. Weaving comes alive as a hilarious and deeply macabre play on the final girl archetype. See, they're sexist in the positive review. And it's nothing short of cathartic to cheer her on and echo the rage okay, that quickly Lofi. consumes and empowers her. So yeah. this is a sexist review. Is it? Yeah, talking about the final girl, how all horror movies have a, a lady that finishes the movie alive. I think that that final girl archetype is a thing. And I think they play yeah. around with this. Like, she's the girl that they're all trying to literally catch in this movie. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of what this... It's. I don't think it's necessarily sexist to say that because that's what the well, movie it, is doing. It, it is sexist, but to point out that it's a womanly character and that's the only reason it plays. No, the, 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 you couldn't do this really... I mean, the whole point of having this final girl archetype, they're not... They're, they know what they're doing in the movie and they're playing around with it. And the thing is, like... The reason why it works better than the guy in a suit is that the girl in a, in a wedding dress doing all this is really cool looking, whereas the suit, you get like a million movies of a guy in a suit doing stuff. But, but a girl in a beautiful to, wedding dress, like doing stuff? It's sexist to point out that there's a difference. No, it's not. Okay. You know what's sexist? To say that you're not allowed to point out the differences between men and women. You're just making fun of me. <laughs> I just give it Ladies and germs, John's being mean to me. Oh, wait, I like this one. Read this. Devilish fun with a tour de force lead performance from breakout star Samara Weaving. Okay, devilish. But, don't tell them. Don't let's oh, wait keep a the secret. Yeah. Breakout star? She was in Babysitter. I don't know what else she's been in since here. Do you want to click on her? Because I've seen this movie, but I never even thought of her name. And did not know her name. I, I have no idea what else she's done. I know that she's in, I think, something called, like, The Babysitter or something, and it was fantastic. She was in the three billboards outside of whatever it was Didn't called. she win, like, an Oscar or something for that? No, she didn't win an Oscar, but that she was She was a, in Bill and Ted's Face the Music. I didn't see that one because it happened during COVID. I didn't see that one because it sounds horrible. Did you see the second Bill and Ted movie? Yes, and it was awful. But that's kind of the point. Like we're here, we're over here all every week defending terrible horror movies, and we're like, it's awful that Bill and Ted did another Bill and Ted, <laughs> even though it's like for people that love that, I'm sure they found it wonderful. Probably, but it's still a shitty movie. Uh, yeah, but it's fun. Is like, it? did you not like the first one? No. I think George Carlin was the only saving grace of the Bill and Ted movies. I think it was fun. Oh, and the music. I like the music. <laughs> okay, she was nominated. In the best cast ensemble on of the awards circuit, community awards mm. for three big billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Okay, that's the one about the dead kid or something like that, a murdered kid. I don't know. It was about. I know there was complaining that police or somebody didn't do enough, so they put up billboards yeah. to pressure them. And like real life. Yeah. And Chainsaw Award, and for this she movie we're a, about to watch. She was a nominee for best actress. Yeah, that was good. She won a lot for the uh, the Three Billboards movie. Mm, that's wonderful. She was in Bad Girl. You you like your Bad she Girls. She was a nominee for... Yeah, wow, what a weird coincidence. She was in Bad Girl. Yeah. And not Bad Girls. It's really weird. I wonder if she is the Bad Girl. I don't know. I have never seen the film Bad Girl. Well, let's talk about the film we're going to watch. Yes. So this movie we saw, as I we mentioned last week... We saw together pretty early on. It was the, the uh, one that I gave you for Valentine's Day. Yeah. And it has one of the best, I don't think you'd call it a jump scare at the end, surprise endings. Yeah, like a twist, uh, M. Night Shyamalan The twist. twist of it 
can I just say what the twist is? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this, then you're kind of... No, I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about the twist spoilers. anyway, and I'm trying to decide if I want to say what the twist is before or after the movie, because I think it'd be fun. Okay, the twist of the movie is that the devil is real. That's the twist, but it's not giving away too much, <laughs> but that no. the devil is real. Ah, oh, man, now we have to think about that as we as we do the rest of the podcast, because I'm giving away the big secret. Yeah, I might as well just see you next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Let's uh, Don't forget to stay married and stay oh, scared and stuff. No, we're going to do it right. Okay, so I guess because you've turned off that browser. I actually closed all the info I have. <laughs> I guess it's time to watch the movie. Sure. Awesome, let's do it. Hey, John. Hi. That was such a beautiful sparkling wedding dress. Oh, sure. We've had our first murder, and I figured we'd tell the people about it. We've had, so the movie begins with images of old-timey board games. Yes. In a very expensive house. Yes. And I'm just flashing forward in my mind to, like, in the next half an hour... When I'm going to stop and have the same argument with you I had last time we watched this movie about how rich this family is and this tradition that's only been going on for 100 years. and 30 what, years. Well, this is 30. This is like 30 years after this version of it, but it's happened before. So 30 years ago, before the events of the film, at, I guess, a wedding, there's a bride begging people not to kill her groom who has been shot with arrows. And she then composes herself and walks into the Les Damas room where... Uh, where that groom is somewhere else. It's taken yeah. somewhere. Um, but, but what is tradition but peer pressure from dead people? I know that's the famous thing, but we're going to get to the rest of it. But I just want everybody to know we're going to have an argument, so prepare yourselves. <laughs> Not an argument. I'm just going to be very, very loud. And I won't care. And John won't care. John! You don't have yeah. to pause it. It's oh, just that I'll the main it. people have only been together to 18 months. Yeah. So the brother that... That's rushing it, right? Yeah. The brother... <laughs> okay. The brother... I guess the alcoholic brother is not the one getting married. It's the... We saw two kids and one of them was trying to protect the other, but the other, like, gave up the, uh, the yeah. dude and was like, he's here, kill him! But the other brother that was trying to escape... And not be part of the murder is the one marrying our beautiful ingenue. What does ingenue mean? Ingenue means female lead. Oh. But it also means like um, an ingenue is a young female lead. That sounds sexist. I'm going to breathe and not respond to that. So anyway, so she's smoking a cigarette in a wedding dress. We're not that far along, though. I don't think we can check the time right here, but it's probably like two minutes in. <laughs> but she's in a wedding dress, which is beautiful, but she's smoking a cigarette. And I get it, smoking for a wedding. And I'm not a smoker, but I feel like the ashes from the smoke is not something you want to add to a white wedding dress. You'll never notice it. <sighs> well, I wouldn't want it to be on mine. Okay. Fine. Okay, fine. But they've been together 18 months, and we've been together 17. Uh-oh. So we're really rushing it. Uh oh. You wanna you wanna walk that back at all? No, no? you're gonna well, say no. That? I'm okay. just saying that they're saying they were rushing it at 18 months. Yeah, the family is richer than God, apparently. Yeah, and, and they need a three-year courtship. Three-year courtship. 
not 18 year month 18 month year months 18 year months an 18 month bonathon yeah okay let's go kill 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 <laughs> mrs mcmurray's come to the party yeah she does a great job in this film so the wedding has happened yes and they were in their boudoir but then and they get interrupted by the creepiest aunt. Yes. Who has been giving death glares the entire night. Who, when I first saw the movie, it took me until like the end to realize it was the same woman that was the one whose husband died in the beginning. Yeah, she is still bitter. She, yeah, apparently. She's mad at everyone else for having love. 30 years later, she's still bitter. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that she never remarried, but I guess... Or, like, killed the rest of her family or something. Yeah, and so, basically, because they made their money in games... They have to play a game at midnight on the day that someone gets married. Yeah. Would you be bitter 30 years later if your family killed me on your wedding night? Or would you have just, like, not been a part of their family anymore? Oh, I would have no family because they'd all be dead. Yeah. That's what I find out about this. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I'll just still hang out. With these people. But that's the part of it. That's like a part of what we're going to find out is why the family allows it. So the Bonnie McMurray is the sister of... Not Bonnie McMurray. That's, the actress, that's McMurray's sister. The actress that plays, um, Mrs. That plays McMurray. Mrs. McMurray from Letterkenny <laughs> is in this. And as we watched the movie the first time, you and I were both like, wait, is that? Is that? <laughs> but it is. She plays the drunken high... Which sister perfect is, for her yes she's so good at it she's play. she's so good at playing someone that is inebriated but still able to kind of have it together enough to have a conversation like us <laughs> what <laughs> i don't know what he's talking about everybody i'm very sober oh okay we're not driving i know okay so th- we're about to have a fun game there's kids wearing the death masks from last time around yeah, as the family does. As the family does. All families have their death masks that they wear. We're not going to have our conversation about traditions yet, but I can't wait. You don't fuck with tradition. It's tradition. That's right. Exactly. Oh, John. Yes. So we've played a game. Well, they haven't played yet. Well, they haven't played... Well, the kind of. So... I'm ready to talk about traditions. Okay. What's the longest standing tradition? We just had a kind of tradition that's pretty recent, right? Like, we went and visited grave sites for yeah. Memorial Day, which was really lovely. And that's a tradition in your family. That's not yeah. very old. No, my mom and myself started that. Yeah. But I maybe we'll get our kids to do it. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Just a way to keep upkeep on... On gravestones. Yeah. And to visit and remember, even if it's people we've never met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's a kind of tradition. What's another tradition in your family? We don't really have... No? No. You know, this is one of those things about being families of, like, when people have been married before, when they get married. Because your parents were married before they they married each other. And so, you're the only child of your parents yes together but you have four eight siblings a hundred siblings four brothers five five brothers sorry and so i have four brothers but they're all from one family and so and my mother and my father 
both had mothers and fathers that were together, right? There are traditions in the family that kind of go back. For example, my grandmother um, on my mother's side, for example, she she has a lot of like Southern traditions about New Year's. And crossing silver on New Year's is very important. And eating eat, black-eyed peas. Eating rice and black-eyed peas. Yeah. So, and that's a very common tradition: is the white and the white rice and black-eyed peas. We always ate black-eyed peas on New Year's. Yeah, and so that's a very common thing. I brought rice and black-eyed peas like to New Year's based upon that. But you know, crossing the palm with silver is not something we did, but it's something that my grandmother, you and I did. That's not something you and I did, but something my grandmother did. And I might do again. Um, my grandmother used to sing songs that she learned from her grandmother and there are lullabies very sad southern lullabies about the civil war which you're going to hear probably <laughs> problematically when we ever have a baby just because they're just in my brain and about um not about yeah we'll get into that later at another day but these kinds of traditions kind of sneak up right like i have a recipe for my grandfather's grandmother's ginger cookies that she got from her family. So it's like an mm-hmm. old, old, old family recipe, right, that I have from this. And the tradition is we always have them at Christmas. And you got to make these ginger cookies. I did. Which was really a fantastic thing because you made them perfectly. And you did yeah. not like the recipe because you're like, this doesn't make sense. But then you produced the perfect ginger cookie. I was very impressed. Mm, thank you. Yes. And so, and, you know, I didn't like him as a kid, but now they remind me of Christmas, right? So it's yeah. this tradition that's been going on in my family for probably over 100 years, probably about as long as the tradition that's in this movie. Yeah. And there's some traditions that a family has you don't even realize it's been going on for as long as it is. Yeah. You know, it's like it's pretty wild. And so the tradition in this family goes back to the Civil War. But... The father of the of the main character's new husband, right? It's his great-grandfather who was a printmaker in the Civil War. And then his grandfather and his father and then him and now his children, right? Yeah. So this is the, wait, fourth generation? Yeah. So your father, grandfather, wait, so the kid, the father... Grandfather, the great grandfather, but it probably I think it's one more because it's like so the father's great grandfather. So it's like the fifth, five generations that we're talking about. Now here you can see a picture with like four generations. You know, like it's possible, right? But we're talking about about a hundred years, mm-hmm. not even a hundred years, because the Civil War was in the end of the eighteen. Well, yeah, a hundred and forty years. Yeah. Math was hard for a second. 150 years. But, like, it's still only five generations in this family. They had babies late, I guess. Lola's come to join us. And they have a tradition that they must follow as a family. This super wealthy family. Well, you'll find out later Mm -hmm. that this is an important tradition. Yeah? Because of how they got their money. That's true, and we found it. Well, basically, the older the the great great grandfather of the of the fiance, of the woman's of the main bride character's husband, but the basically the great grandfather of the dad of the family basically, yeah. ba- met the devil, <laughs> met Mister Ball Labal, whose name is Ball. Yeah, you know, like, like from the Bible. Tell, yeah. 
like the pitchfork and forked head or whatever. But anyway, Mr. LeBall, like they played a bunch of games of chance and basically sold his soul to the devil in exchange for making a lot of money printing cards and things like that. And they started making cards and... Sounds like a great idea. Well, <laughs> except for the whole selling your soul yeah, to family. And so the, the catch is whenever someone gets married, you have to like play this game with a box and a magic card comes out and tells you what game you have to play. Well, Mr. Laval picks the game. Laval. Yeah, he picks the game. He picks the game, but I also kind of wonder, it's like, what if, like, the dad just picks the game with a sleight of hand? No. Well, that's the thing this right now. powered by the devil. Well, we know that because <laughs> we've seen the movie. But, like, a part of me thinks, like, it could have just been chosen because the dad didn't like her. That's possible, too. Yeah, and, like, so we've got the, the aunt whose husband did not make it through this game, but no one else alive has made it through the game. And what's wild to me, though, is this family was much, much bigger before, and like, in the previous scene, like, 20 years ago, there was a lot of people chasing the aunt's husband. Right? Yeah. But now there is the dad, the mom, creepy aunt, the mm-hmm. two brothers... Yep. And a sister. Annie McDowell and Mrs. McMurray. Yeah, Annie McDowell and Mrs. McMurray are the two ladies. We've got two the two brothers, mm-hmm. and the one brother is married, and in, and Mc, Mrs. McMurray has a husband and some kids. A husband named Mr. Bradley. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if he's like, if I it's like a... Milton Bradley. Yeah, and that's why he's an appropriate person for this no. family to marry. Maybe it's but, based on a true, true story. <gasps> Maybe from the Milton Bradley family. Oh my goodness, we should have known all along. But so this family has dwindled. It's not a big family, and probably because they keep murdering family members. Well, I think this was only the second time it's happened where hide and seek was pulled. I get the feeling that it must have happened once before. Because okay. the thing is, like before, there must have been more siblings. Right now, there's three siblings, right? And so, and one of them has kids. The other one has the possible. I think. Do they both have kids? I don't remember. They I haven't can't. come out yet, so... There's at least two children. Yeah. But in theory, like, if all these people had three kids, like, where are the cousins? There's just the aunt who has a dead... That is smart enough to get out of this family. Yeah. And that's a question that I wonder, though, about the dad, like... Okay, Mr. LaBelle picks the card, but what if he just did it because he didn't want his sister getting married so he could keep all the wealth? It works like the Catholic Church, right? What? That's why the Catholic Church didn't allow priests to get married. So when the priest died, yeah, they could so they all, all everything, and then like you want a priest to come from a good family, so you get all his wealth to come in, and it yeah. gets coalesced and coalesced and coalesced and coalesced. Mm-hmm. And then like the other churches, when Christianity became more diversified uh, after the Protestant Reformation, we get like more similar things but different, right? Where we're kind of basically just still maintaining wealth, but instead of it going to the necessarily the church, it's staying in rich families. But that's yeah. a whole other thing. So. I just find it odd, this conception of, like, it's a tradition, we have to do it, when... They have to do it to maintain their wealth, though, from the devil. And maybe it's, like, a part of me is just that, when I think of ancient things or traditions, in my brain, like, I spent a lot of time studying Augustine from the 5th century and early Christian thought and, and Jewish thought from before Christianity and... In the original languages, not Hebrew, but ancient Greek, you know, like Phil of Alexandria is awesome. It just doesn't seem like that much time, like a hundred years. It's like your great grandparent and you're and you're like an adult man. You're you're not as old as this dad, 
But, but in they theory, have to maintain this tradition to continue the wealth given to them by the devil. I guess so, but they have no evidence for this. Well, like, the chance that this guy met his great-grandfather... Are they going to risk losing their wealth for that? Well, I guess that's the problem when you have... Because this entire generation, this game hasn't come up. They said it was chess in one of them, yeah, and it was Old Maid in the other one. But he remembers his sister's brother dying because he was there, and I'm yeah. pretty sure Andy McDowell killed him. But they're thinking, what are the odds that it's going to happen again? I don't know. I think that he's happy that we're going to lose this chick because he didn't like her. Yeah. It's a tradition that it seems to happen once a generation, you know. Yeah. But. I think they're afraid they're going to lose their wealth if they don't play this game. And I do think, though, that the people that are chosen to die that we know about are the sister of this guy. We don't know that he had any other siblings. It might have just been two. So we know it's his sister. He's the patriarch, right? And so the sister's husband dies. What happens to that is she never marries and the money stays in the family unit, right? And that's how you stay wealthy, is that the money, you don't divide the wealth. That's why they entailed estates back in the day, right? That's actually why... But like they allowed the other two younger siblings to be married and have children. No, no. That's what I mean is like, I think that this representation of what's happened is like, we can see what's happening in the sense that we're funneling the wealth and keeping it strong by him being in charge. Because if there's another man that's going to come in his same area, his same age, his sister has as much... She's clearly older than him. Yeah. So she must have had a little bit more... You know, who knows? Maybe she could have been in control. But now we have the next generation and we're not... We're kind of still... Even though it's just two, we're winnowing it down. We're making sure it kind of stays. But it seems to me... That both of the people that were chosen were, like, that the previous spouses were money matches. I don't know. And they clearly came from money themselves. Like, we got someone with the last name Bradley. I don't think that's, I think that's on purpose. And the other, the wife of the drunk brother married for money. But it seems to me that she's also one of these moneyed individuals. Like, she wanted, she married for status because she had that status, right? So, I wonder if it's this kind of way, sort of representation of winnowing down wealth. But at the same time, like, it's weird to think of this thing we've always done, but it was like your great-grandparents started it. Yeah. My great-grandmother, Denny, like, flew airplanes and was a hand model. But I don't fly airplanes and I'm not a hand model. But I am going to be wearing her watch at our wedding. Okay. Should we continue? Sure. We had our second death. Yep. But not of the bride. Nope. I didn't see her yet. So she's not... The bride's not really taking things seriously. She was hiding in a dumbwaiter, which I think was a pretty good spot. I don't think it is. No? That's one of the first places I would look. In a dumbwaiter? Yeah. I mean, there's a million places in this house. I know, but it's right off the hallway. It's a big door. Yeah. That's true. And she didn't go up or down. She just, like, went in it, right? Yeah. Maybe if you want a dumbwaiter and, like, went between floors. Yes. That'd be a good spot, but they could just lift you up. Yeah, that's true. And she also doesn't know that she has to wait till dawn because it was kind of a joke that it's yeah. like, oh, just wait till dawn, you'll win. And she's like, what? I'm not doing this. So she doesn't like it. She jumps out and she's sneaking, but she's kind of drunk. And she also thinks this is ridiculous. Uh, and so she gets grabbed into a bedroom. Yes, by her husband. Look at your husband. You're going to be my husband. Yep. You're going to do this? You're going to grab me to stop me from getting murdered by your friends and family? Maybe. So, oh. So, 
he grabs her just in time because uh, Georgie, the one of the boy children, that's sh- that the the way that the maid or the au pair is supposed to be watching, has disappeared, and so she's gone off to find Georgie. Terrible night to go missing, I think, during this thing. Yeah. And so she's walking around looking for Georgie, and they're trying to be the hus the husband and wife. Husbands grab the wife's mouth and trying to get her to be quiet, hiding behind a bed. And what happens? Uh, the the nanny gets shot in the eye. By? By Mrs. McMurray. Mrs. McMurray. I feel like at some point we need to Google what her real name is, but I, I love her. I'm pretty sure she's also Winona Earp, but I'm not sure. I love that actress, regardless. Who's also an alcoholic in that show, too, I think. So, very specific, but very good. But she shoots her in the eye. She's all excited because she got her, but... Apparently, the bride has to be alive for the ritual. Yes. And Andy McDowell is like, oh, just grab the body. Let's pick her up and go. So, Miss Andy McDowell, who we're supposed to care about, does not care as much about any death, apparently. She's just like, ah, just get this body. And Yeah. She just knows it has to happen. So. Yep. Yep. How do you like it so far? It's good. I've seen it before. <laughs> Let's go. We just found out yeah, why this they, family's empty. They explained it. That if you don't pull the card, you die and your spouse dies. So you have to do it. You have to do it or else. Do you think that's fair? Yep. Yeah, I guess the thing <laughs> is, like, you're born into it, but did, I mean, if you did the blood sacrifices as a kid, we find out later that there's goat sacrifices and stuff. Okay, but, I didn't remember that. You don't remember the goat sacrifices? I don't. I don't remember movies. I know, I don't. It's great. So I can watch them again, and it's like they're new. Oh, you're so cute. He's just listed up like his great uncle and his wife, his bunch of cousins, people he never even met. So it sounds like there's a reason why these are the only people, because these are the only a-holes that refused, or that didn't refuse to play the game, that, that kind of risked yeah. their family dying. But it only happened once before where the card was pulled. I, they didn't say it happened once before. It's That's happened what before. Said. She's no, since she joined the family. Yeah. So like, because it, it was her husband's great grandfather. Yeah. So it's like it happened in her generation of weddings. Yeah. So this is the next generation, right? The dog just opened the door, so it means it's time to continue watching the movie. Oh, John. Yeah, hello. This might be the first time that you will ever hear this, and probably the last. I was wrong. <gasps> I know. Calm down. Calm down. Is your heart okay? <gasps> Don't breathe. Breathe, John. Breathe. I need, I need to journal about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, the very fancy schmancy looking um, partner of the drunk brother says that, you know, what she had before was nothing, that she came from somewhere terrible, that he knows where she came from, yep. and she's not going to give this up. That's right. She sold her soul. And, yeah, she, he told her about it in advance, and she was like, yeah, I'll sell my soul to the devil. I don't care. I want to be rich. Yeah. But it's just unusual because she acts like she's not one of our people, but, like, she's not. She. I wonder if she's from, like, money that is brand up. And had an abusive family. Just an interesting touch. An interesting conversation. Yeah. The bride's been given a shot by being given shoes. 
She got some old chucks that her husband brought her. Didn't bring her a gun or a knife, though. No, shoes are sufficient. Shoes are sufficient. And then she ends up going the wrong way to the kitchen and just runs into everyone. It's a great gag. Yeah. Everyone's like, how are we going to find her? And she just walks out and she's like, ah, doing headlights. And then basically the brother finds her and is like, I'm just coming to get a drink. And gives her a head start and kind of, like, covers for her a little bit. Yeah. Because he is just over it. Yeah. He's yeah. tired of this being in this family. Yeah. He doesn't think they deserve it anymore. But the rich are different, is what we're understanding. And they are. Certainly this family is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's interesting, though. When you talk about old money, right, there's a kind of implication of what it might look like. And this house is one of those things. But in the history of, like, the parlance about what old money is and versus new money, this is new money. They're not old money. They're, they're new money. They made their money after the Civil War. They're carpetbaggers, first of all. And second of all, their money came from... I mean, let's all be fair. We all know this. Old money comes from slavery. Yeah. Basically. In America, it comes from slavery. Cotton and tobacco. Cotton and tobacco. Old money in England comes from... You know what that comes from? Not old money. Colonialism. Not (laughs) all old money came from slavery, though. Because the Rockefellers would be old money. And that that was Northern money. No, I don't think it counts as old. I mean, they're about the same time, right? Like, the robber barons are not technically... I mean, now they're old, but, like, when we think about... When we think about old money versus new money, that conversation is happening. It's like... People that have generally generational wealth versus new wealth, but it's like whose generation? Like if your grandfather if was in a trade, then he's you're not old money or whatever. Yeah. But these people have only been old money for a generation, you know, for not very long, and they sell board games. Well, they own pro sports teams as well. Four, four, four pro sports. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that was just in his generation. Yeah. So before that, though, they were just doing a sporting goods stores and. I guess kind of like the Waltons kind of got that going on a little bit. If they're having, like, the way that the father described well, the history of the family. certainly not old money. The Waltons. No, likes. but it's that kind of implication. Like maybe they own, like, this fantasy version of Walmart or something. Yeah, because the Waltons are on, like, the second generation. Like, really? Only the second, not the third? It was the 40s, I think, when the Walmarts started. Yeah, but that was, uh, like, 80 years ago. Yeah, that's two generations, basically. I guess so because the um, third generation might be starting to get Because I in think power. it's the son of Sam Walton who's running really? it. Right? Yeah. Oh. All right, let's go. <laughs> John! Yes. We've not made it that far. I know we're not giving people time, but so basically, they, the family has all run up. And the daughter is the F up of the family. Because she's on drugs. The other brother is an alcoholic. There's only one brother that's actually not an F-up. And he's the one that doesn't want to be in the family. Because he's in love with his wife. And doesn't want to you know, kill, have her yeah. die. Which we'll learn more about later. But she goes, Daddy, I'm sorry I forgot my gun. <laughs> and he hugs her. Oh, you're, yeah. not, you're not a screw up. And the mom's like, you're not a screw up. And what happens? Um, she gets handed a crossbow and she screws up. Immediately, yeah. and kills the other nanny, who's running in to say, I saw her, I saw her, she's in the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, like, the aunt is there, 
just like where we paused it, this scary looking lady in her weird cape outfit with a old timey battle axe. Because <sighs> she is a battle axe. Yes. Oh, well, that's so. the implication, right? I don't even know exactly what an old battle axe is, but I think it's just an old it's lady a crazy that has. Old lady. Yeah, that's what she is. But we've learned the, the very important part is that if they don't kill the bride and do the, or if they don't catch the bride and do the ritual by dawn, what happens? They all die. They're all dead. The sister's like, we must kill the bride. It's like, God damn it, sis. <laughs> Stop it. And so the the dad and the every the dad and the sister want to do the great grandpa's like stuff, right? And again, this is like I'm thinking of it more in terms of tradition in anyone's family when we're stuck in the tradition of we have to do it this way because that's the way that grandpa did it, right? So if you look at Christmas traditions, so many of them are based upon the way one's parents had it or your parents' parents had this version. Right, we have, or an Easter tradition where you have great grandma's fluff, or it's like this like marshmallow fluff thing. I don't know. There's like some kind of strawberry fluff that I had that was pretty good, but it was like it was so interesting to see like this is my great grandmother's recipe. This is my great grandmother's recipe. Yeah, fluffer is a whole different definition nowadays. Are you talking about the porn? Yeah. Okay. Mister, your head's in the in the gutter. Let's talk about this family. Where else that... comes a fluffer? <laughs> but you know they're in this argument about like, look, we're in the modern day. Why do we have to use great grandpa's weapons? How about we just use the gun in my purse? How about we just use the good weapons? How about we turn on the actual cameras? I don't know, because grandpa's gonna kill them all. Not follow the rules. Not grandpa. Mister Ball. Oh yeah. Mister Ball. One who owns their souls. The one who owns their souls that they all gave them up. But for some reason, her husband decided not to tell her that in advance. Now, if you had some weird tra- family tradition that involved selling my soul to Satan, would you tell me in advance? Yeah. John. I don't know, maybe. I remember when I was little and after my father left us. You sold your soul to Satan? No, I oh. didn't do that. But it was one Easter, like Christmas, we used to always go down to Savannah and that was like, there was just one year, it was just so hard. And my, it was so hard on my mom, obviously, when my father left. But I remember my brother saying to her once, let's stay here, as Andrew said this. I'm like, let's stay here and do our own tradition. Let's do something new. You know, and we'd had a lot of change in our life. And the idea that you can just, oh, we could just do our tradition. It doesn't have to be what we've always done. And that could still be really special. This is just about what's what we do when we create our own tradition that then changes in the next or second or third generation or something. I have started way more traditions than I've ever followed. <laughs> yeah. Me getting drunk on Christmas Eve is like a tradition that I've been up to for the last five years. <laughs> did you start that yourself? I did start that. Well, I'm sure my dad was probably really drunk. He's an alcoholic, but uh, I started that. <laughs> he had the drunk on every night tradition. Oh, yeah. He had the drunk and abusive, unfortunately. But... I think that we we sometimes are shackled by tradition, but then we recreate our tradition, right? Or we do something that, say you had a tradition and you have to change it. And it's hard to change it, but it usually has to when, like, the matriarch or patriarch passes away, right? If there was a tradition to, to have. Yeah. It's the people that care about the tradition that are in charge of making sure it continues. You need to follow all of my traditions. <sighs> John, you know, we both know that I'm the one who's going to be the tradition creator. 
I created some, I think. Yeah? Like which which ones? I don't know. Come on. I can't think of any. You can't think of any traditions? Camping. The, the Memorial Day one. Yeah, that's a pretty good tradition. We won't go next year, though, because of graduations. Yeah. But in the future? Yeah. And then getting married to Trish's? Only me, though. I guess that's oh, not a tradition. Every year I find a new Trish. Punch! <laughs> Did you hear that, folks? First heard here. You okay? I'm going to edit that out so I don't seem like an abusive winch. Yeah, I'm going to go file a restraining order. Right before the wedding. It's going to make the wedding awkward. <laughs> that would be awkward, huh? Get immediately, both of us get arrested at the venue. Like, how dare you? There's a restraining order. Yeah. No. There's an Explosive cartoon about that. The cartoon I used to like to watch, read all the time called Explosive. I liked it when I was in my 20s. They did shorts. And there's okay. a short about that. Anyway, I'm let's wearing keep... shorts. You are wearing shorts, and I allow that, don't I? <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny? If I ever have like oh. former students watch this, so I lo- I mentioned last time the crazy stuff I would say to my students. To I'd I love saying things in class, deadpan, and seeing their responses. So that I hate. I don't like music. I don't listen to it. No, it's true. I don't. I did listen to music in the car because you made me a playlist, and I listened to that. It was very sweet. Um, but I, one of the things that I would really play up is my dislike of shorts, but it, it originally, it just first came out, uh, when we were talking about the nature of the word inappropriate and just the, the fuzziness of meaning and how it's dependent upon context and culture and blah, blah, blah. And I would like really play up the Southern, like, you know, I just think it's inappropriate to wear shorts. And then people will be like, what? Like, oh, no, no, no. The women are fine. It's that men are wearing shorts. And the thing is, like, I never even, and and this was in class, I never expressed it out loud before. And then I realized in my mind, I was like, yeah, men shouldn't wear shorts. They shouldn't show their thighs in public. And I don't know where I got that weird Z, but it's one of my weird Zs. (laughs) That's very, very sexist. Is it? It's like, yeah, would you be against the rule that women can't wear pants? Well, here's the thing. I grew oh, no. up well, with no. millions of rules about how women are allowed to dress, so I feel like I should be allowed to say no. men can't wear shorts. I think it's really interesting how men always want to be like, that's sexist against men when it's like there any pushback against men. Anyway, I, I would say, look, we came up with a compromise. Didn't yeah, we? I we wear tell, shorts. Do you want to tell the people the compromise about the shorts? They have to be above my knee. Above the knee. But not high above the knee. They it's have to just, be. It's just weird. Just, but they can't be at the knee. They have to be just above the knee. So if men can't wear shorts, what can't women wear? <sighs> Let's see. I would say parachute pants, but if because they just feel uncomfortable. No, here's the thing. I don't like shorts for myself, even though I'm currently wearing them. In general, because I just don't like feeling ridden up. But I also don't wear pants that often either. I usually wear skirts and dresses because I don't feel comfortable in pants. So you're saying you can't? Women can't wear pants? No, it's just more of an uncomfortable. When I see girls in shorts and so, boys and 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 like, I just feel uncomfortable for them because it's like women's shorts are so high cut that they're so uncomfortable. Men's shorts, I just feel like it's too loosey goosey down there. So what can't women wear? Let's see. I would say a woman should not wear should no you said- a Nazi flag. <laughs> So men can? I don't know, John. Do you want to say that men should be allowed to do that? That's up to you, bud. Anybody can do whatever they want. I don't give a shit. You would be okay with your kids wearing Nazi flags? As long as they weren't hurting other people. Yeah, Nazi flags do hurt other people. Then they can't. 
I think you've missed the point of the story. <laughs> it's that it's a way for men to finally feel what it's like to be told that they're dressed inappropriately. Because I never told anybody anything about what they can and can't wear, so I don't think anybody should tell me. Here's what the thing: I can and can't wear. that's true. No one ever tells you what you can and can't wear because you're a man. But I've never told anybody else what they can and can't wear. Yeah, but you know what does society and also the school system, which has a million rules about what women can wear, and for boys, it's like don't have marijuana leaves on your shirts. No, it was different when I was in school. Boys weren't allowed to wear shorts or sweatpants or hats. But girls well, could. wearing hats inside isn't appropriate. But girls could do all those things. But boys were not allowed to. Sweatpants, hats, and what was the other thing? Shorts. What? That's weird. Because when I was growing up, it was all this stuff about the types of shirts that girls were allowed, and you had to have a shirt tucked. Now, this is an interesting well, thing. When I was in school, it was all about what the boys couldn't wear. So when I... Well, that's because probably you were more interested in what... Because that was the thing that affected you. No, it was the only... The there only... weren't rules about the spaghetti strap shirts. I, d- I, I just don't believe exist. it because your kids have been. I've had to go to your school that you went to high school at to bring your female children yeah. shirts and clothes because they had too much skin on their shoulders showing. They had too much midriff, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's always about work. controlling what women wear oh. so they're not too sexy girls to distract the boys. Girls didn't dress sexy when I was in school. Probably because of a bunch of rules that you didn't even look at. No, because the cool thing to wear was Looney Tunes sweatshirts. What? That was like the big thing when I was in school. I don't know how much of your high school you remember. You did talk about being super drunk when you were a freshman and like getting banned from prom. So I don't know if you're the most reliable narrator uh, about high school like clothing stuff. When I was in school, women had to always have the everyone had to have the shirt tucked, right? And it's one of those things that people like say, see, it's not sexist because men have to tuck their shirts too. You have to tuck your shirts? Yeah. But the thing is, women's shirts at the time did not go past much past the waist. So it was almost impossible to find a freaking shirt, especially if you're a long torso tall freak like me. No, because they just like, they stop. Like the way that... Why would you have to tuck your shirts in? That's a great question, John. But it's a good way to end up with a lot of girls in detention. Or, like, you can wear spaghetti straps, but most shirts for girls have... Most dresses for girls have spaghetti straps. What about linguine straps? Oh, my God. Okay, let's go. That was bad. Another servant bites the dust. Another servant bites the dust. And another servant bites and another servant bites. The three people that have died so far are the sexy women that work for the family. You think that was planned? This one says, I didn't even, I don't even, I'm not even a maid. I think he just likes the way I dance. The, okay, so we've had very tall, sexy au pair. Very tall, sexy, I guess, other au pair. Whoever that was. Are they au pairs or nannies? Nannies, who knows? Well, au pair because they're fancy and rich. This lady is supposed to be a maid, and she's not a maid. So she's just a lady that's hanging out in the dumb later, right? And she's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm supposed to be just a dancer. And then she starts telling, she starts screaming, she's here, she's here. So she starts giving up this girl. And what happens is... Oh, she starts to close the dumb waiter door and is getting crushed by Yeah, which she chose herself. She, she pressed the button. Yeah. Uh, and so in this way, these working class sifts are all dying one by one. The family members haven't been popped off yet. Nope. 
because they're rich and the rich keep getting richer. The there's an extended scene in the kitchen in which the butler is singing to himself, and she tries to kill him, and her her gun doesn't have like good like real ammunition in it, so it doesn't work. And so, but the idea that like this butler too, like all of the quote help, you know, all the people that work for the family are all in on it in a way. This woman less so, but she does scream like she's here, come get her. You know, so she's in on it enough to know that that's going to be good, even though she's also scared. They must get paid very well. They must get paid very well, but I just, with the butler, the motivation here is just like, what is it? Is he like some distant family member that became a butler? Is he just some dude that gets paid super well that's also just become a part of the cult? Because it's a cult at this stage. Maybe he's having a tryst with the crazy, angry aunt. I hope so, because that lady needs something, and he needs the motivation to be here. How many movies do you get to punch a kid in the face and be like, yeah, punch that kid in the face? Not very many. Georgie just shot her in the hand and she got a hole in her hand. Yeah. She's in a goat barn. Yeah, she's got half stigmata. She's got half of it. She is the one that's being sacrificed so that the family may live and be forgiven of their devil sins. I don't know. How appropriate then. Okay. That was very exciting. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good scene. You, you seem way too excited about punching a kid. No I'm just saying. Listeners, guess what John's doing? Nothing. He's trying to sleep. I'm not trying to sleep. You can't sleep during the podcast. We I'm have to record s- this thing. I'm not sleeping. It's not that much further now. I know. It's just an amount of time. Does this still not tell us what the no, time is? Uh, okay. DVDs. DVDs don't tell us about how much time there is left on this particular viewing mechanism that we're using, the PlayStation 4. Yep. Sony, if you would like to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> please give us a call. She's gotten out. And we yep. had some good gore. Gross's corner time, you think? You think? Go for it. We could wait for Gross's corner, but she did get her sh- her hand shot through and then have to put her hand on top of a nail. Mm-hmm. There was a goat pit full of dead bodies, including... The arrow-filled corpse of the fellow we met in the beginning. So I don't yeah. think he made it. No. No. He did not make it. Lots of goat corpses. Excuse me. A lot of goat corpses as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I really think we're getting a high death count, except no family members yet. Not yet. All these jerks are still alive. And so the father is trying to explain to them the importance of the tradition. Because they're all going to die. And so we've heard about the Van Horns. Yep. Which I think is a kind of a reference to the other famous name families that are very wealthy would start with Van in America. And so the idea is that, oh, did you think they died in a house fire? So all these wealthy families that just suddenly die is because they've pa- they've wronged Mr. LaBelle. Yeah. But the, the, the F-up kids, which is the drunk brother and the cocaine sister, don't really believe it as much. No. The husband of the cocaine sister tries to tell the wife of the drunk brother, like, oh, we just get out, right? We should get out of here. And she doesn't, like, listen to him. And he's like, F you. Yeah. So that was very interesting. When we first saw this movie and we saw this scene that we're currently watching in which Grace has got the butler and she's got, a like, a 
like a cloth around his neck, choking him out as he's trying to kill her. He's just tried to kill her with a car. Yeah. He's tried to kill her multiple times. She's wrestling him. So she grabs him by the neck and starts choking him out. And when we first saw this movie, I thought, you have to wait three minutes in order for him to be dead. And what doesn't she do? She doesn't wait three minutes. No, and she dies. No? No, she doesn't die. But uh, she doesn't wait three minutes, so he doesn't die. And so we get the next scene, which we might as well say, she drives away... And he calls, like, OnStar or whatever, and the OnStar shuts down the car. She's yeah. stuck in it, locked in, waiting for people to come and collect her. It's yeah. so messed up. Daniel is the drunk brother. Yeah. And he found her in the woods, and he brought her back to everybody. Right? Yeah. They've set up the sacrifice. They don't have a lot of time. Loki, Jesus, right on the computer, huh? Hey, buddy. Yeah, come sit by. <laughs> okay. Hey, buddy. I'm sorry that you weren't getting enough attention. So Daniel has poisoned the family during the ritual, which, by the way, from what I could hear, is gobbledygook. I, it's not, it doesn't make sense, but I was also thinking during the ritual, like, how did the guy, like, yeah, he made a, Mr. Lubail made a deal with the, the great-grandpa that involved... A game, but they all have this like goat ritual sacrifice stuff already yeah. down. So clearly, there's a bunch of stuff that's left out in the background, yeah. which I would love to hear. I don't think it's the plot hole. I think it's just like interesting. You know, like clearly, this family—that's the family story, but that's not necessarily the case. You yeah. know, they could have been Satan worshippers forever. The brother has poisoned the family with ipecac or something. And everyone's barfing, and he saves her. Only to get shot in the neck. Like, he puts himself between him and his wife, who has a gun. Yeah. Because he thinks that the family deserves to die. Do you think that is worthy of, of salvation? Yeah. Even though you spent your life sacrificing goods to the devil? Yeah. Self-sacrifice. Yeah? Is that, like, the ultimate? I think so. Yeah. I am very much of a firm believer in... You know, they're, the good in you is what's important. Yeah. There's a lot of really good people that never knew Christ, and there's a lot of Christians that are just the worst. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, let's keep going. We're almost at the end. She's running. John, I guess I we found out what happened to the Van Horns. Yeah. <laughs> at one stage during all this, so we're just letting it play. But at one stage during all this... Ma'am, are you okay? Oh, is she okay? You're worried about her getting ass on her dress. Yeah. I was worried about... So, at one stage, at some point, she throws a lamp and, like, and the fire starts to spread. She makes it... (laughs) In-laws, that's a good line. But she makes it to the end, right? She makes it to the app, to, like, the final thing. It's almost done. They... Again, we mentioned the having her on the table the first time. The brother saves her, but then he gets shot. And so her husband shows up finally after having finally gotten detached. What did you say about him getting um, uh, handcuffed to the bed? Oh, I just couldn't believe he couldn't break that beam he was on on the bed. He like could he break was, that in like 30 seconds. He was strong enough to, to grind it up with his arms above his head, but he couldn't like tumble over the bed and like get kick into a better out, position. Or kick it off. Yeah. It's a very simple thing. But anyway, this little dweeb, you know, typical, like, 
you come from immense privilege, but you don't want to, you're like, feel bad about it. So you go and pretend like you don't have it. And then you bring your girl home, you get married, and everyone tries to kill her. I mean, yeah. typical, it's, it's tale as old as time. <laughs> Husband has finally kind of gone into the thing. He's the only one in the family that's ever seen the devil. Um, he's the one that's actually seen Mr. Ball, Mr. Bale in his seat. And she, he actually goes to kill her, and they finally say, Hail Satan, which is like, it turns out it's he's Satan all along. Who would have yeah, thunk it? Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so she gets out of the way at the last second, so she, she gets stabbed in the shoulder instead of, like, in the chest, and it's Dawn. Yeah. And no, nothing happens right away. For a second. For a second, they all start being like, wait, we're not, it's fine, it's all bullshit. <laughs> it's bullshit. Yeah. And what happened to the ants? The girl still dies. Yeah, they all die. They I'm all die. Puking. Everyone explodes. Yeah. And so we, the ant explodes. The brother-in-law explodes. The one that wasn't the good one. The one that was like the husband of the woman. The dad, the, uh, the sister explodes. The wife explodes. And like everyone explodes. And even the two little kids, you see the, the mom and the two kids run into the hallway and you hear a big burst and then two little pops. Yeah. And two little sprays. And then the father is like, that says I'm in control. I'm in control. And he explodes. And the last one left is the husband who says that she made her a better man. Yeah. And he didn't he didn't want to he wanted to be with her. Yeah, he did, but Yeah. Satan had other plans. Satan exploded him instead. She did give him back the ring and said she wanted a divorce. Yeah. Yes today, Satan. <laughs> and so she goes outside, she takes the mom, the um her now her deceased mother-in-law, mother-in-law was dead because she bashed in the head, you know, yeah. with, a, with a box. But she takes the golden, like, cigarette case and goes and sits on the front stoop as the entire mansion is burning horrifically behind her. And all I could think, and she's covered in blood and stuff, but all I could think is, like, she is the inheritor, right? Yeah. She's the only family member left. Yep. And, every, and the thing is, like, there were people at that wedding that witnessed the wedding. So even if things weren't like a hundred percent like that, I mean, I'm sure that if the if everything was signed, the priest usually takes it if there's a minister or something. Yeah. So the minister has probably taken the license and submitted it. So yeah. she gets all of his wealth, her husband's wealth, but also she would have inherited. The husband was the last one alive before everyone died, so she he would have been the inheritor, and then she would have inherited everything he inherited. <laughs> yeah. And so she's doing pretty good. Yeah, she's doing all right. Doesn't have family, though. That was the plan, to get family, and it didn't work out for her. Yeah, well, she's got Satan. I like that Daniel has second billing. Adam Brody has second billing. Uh, That's the brother that was the drunk. Alex is the brother that was kind of dweeby, Mark O'Brien, the dweeby husband, fiancé or whatever. Grace, the main character, is is played by Samara Weaving. And she just is fantastic. She has some good screams. She has fantastic screams, especially at the, like, the difference between her first screams and at the end of the day, like, when it's, like, it's been, like, you know, 12 hours of this. Or, no, it's only, like, seven, because it takes, like, seven hours for the thing. But she's been, like, she's bleeding, she's got holes in her, and she's got a knife, and she goes, 
and she's screaming like a goat and it's fantastic she's so good yeah. and her facial expressions throughout the movie have been so good yeah she's so good i want to see her in like all the things okay okay deal yeah, yeah sure so what's your rating of this film out of five or ten ten i give it an eight out of ten an eight out of ten i give it a 15 no i'm no. just kidding um I don't really have anything bad against it. I think it's well done. I think it's well... Well, the concept is fantastic. I think it's interesting. And I know I've been, like, shitting on the concept of tradition, but it's not the movie's fault. That's just, like, an, an interesting thing that comes up based upon this family that has its own tradition. Yeah. Right? And what I loved about the whole movie is that you're not sure if it's actually the tradition is real or not like is it based on something that's actually true is satan real or did they just decide that you know you know is this some kind of yeah. family psychosis which the entire time it kind of kind of like is this psychosis but then everyone explodes yeah yeah but it could have been whatever the brother fed them maybe that's what caused everyone to explode <laughs> no i no. don't think so little boys didn't drink it anyway you're pretty tie tie. I'm a little tie tie. And it we're we've we're pretty far along. Uh, grossest corner, real quick. I know we mentioned it before. What's your grossest corner? The grossest thing in the movie. Um, I don't know. There wasn't a whole lot that was just gross in this movie. I think the pit, the uh, pit of goats and dead people. Uh, I guess the maid, either the one getting shot in the eye or the one crushed to the dumbwaiter. I, I didn't guess. mind the crush in the dumbwaiter or the shot in the eye because I thought. I know, but those were the only things that were, like... I liked... Full-on gore. I think the putting the hand that has a hole in it through a nail. Or, I think the thing that was just legit gross was her getting out of a cast-iron fence that she managed to pull open with her bare hands, and she cut her back across yeah. trying to get out, and you, and it showed the, it, the going into her skin. Yeah. But I, I'm that sure that qualify. she has excellent health insurance through her dead husband, so... Yeah, that would qualify, I guess. Yeah, I mean, she's going to be fine except for the trauma. Yeah. And how do you explain that to your husband? Who knows? Who knows? Well, honey? Yes. We had Gross's Corner. Mm-hmm. I did get to have a mini brewer's brew. I tried one of your beers. Yeah. I think it was the... Um, you have it over there. The Hefeweizen. The Hefeweizen. What's it called? I don't remember what we called that one. Hopefully Ever After? could be okay it's something rather i think that was the something borrowed something brewed. something borrowed something brewed i like that one because your last name is brewer it's cute yeah all right so we did all that loki's asleep again yeah. he's far away he's back where he was in the original starting of the filming after having come back and forth several still times weren't filming recording he said to me people i have to train you to not do that anymore well i just want you to know the correct terms because he thinks that the audience is going to be confused and think that we're filming. But because I think that... Because you say that we're filming, so they might think that we're I filming? But I mean, I think that they could tell that I don't mean filming. No. And I told you, I film you at every moment. There's a GoPro attached to your butt. Well, John, I think that maybe you should just stay scared. Goodbye!
The intro and outro of our podcast is Fire and Ice Rock Mix by Stefan Kartenberg. Copyright 2017. Licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. Thank you, Stefan. We've gotten interrupted by a child. So listen to beautiful Loki as he purrs. How did he get to be so good? You're not really going to put that in, are you? Maybe, I don't know. Okay, child's back. Gotta go. John just made fun of me. And it's like, you're not going to put this in the podcast, are you? But I think Loki belongs in here, don't you? It's kind of John's fault, really. I don't know where this is going to go. It's like a super double secret track. Do you see? Do you hear? It's so perfect. He's a big orange boy, and he's from an Amish barn. He was born next to some horses. Oh, he's back. Uh, hi.